It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. The Volume. All I want for the holidays this year is some NBA action. This week, new customers can score 150 instantly in bonus bets just for betting five bucks. An instant dub just for you. The Lakers have a tough stretch coming up. Boston on Christmas, couple road games against the Timberwolves. So I'm definitely keeping my eye on these lines to see how DraftKings thinks LeBron and them boys are going to stack up. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code Jenkins, J-E-N-K-I-N-S. New customers can get 150 instantly in bonus bets for betting just $5 on basketball. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code Jenkins. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance see dkng.com slash basketball for eligibility and deposit restrictions terms and responsible gaming resources welcome to Jenkins and Jones on the volume podcast network it is Thursday December 21st and as John was just reminding us, it's almost someone's birthday, <laughs> little baby Jesus. <laughs> Mr. Meek and Mild. Oh, baby. <laughs> as always, Jenkins and Jones, I'm survived. Dragonfly Jones, aka Tyler. Hey, everybody. Have a good The wise man himself, Jethro <laughs> Jenkins, aka John. What's that, Bubba's? <laughs> I'm Gardy B, aka Mike. Mother fucking Mike. Mother fucking Mike. Mother fucking Mike. And, Mother uh, we're, fucking Mike. We're, we're, <laughs> we're produced by the lovely and talented Jackson Saffron. What's All right. A couple of uh, housekeeping items. First of all, please still uh, go subscribe. As we said, you're going home for the holidays. People are coming home to you. Take their phone. Get on the YouTube app, subscribe to youtube.com slash at Jenkins and Jones or on people's desktops when you're visiting, whatever. Go around your office, subscribe every computer to the YouTube, whatever you got to do. You know, let's get if you're searching, if you're buying holiday presents in a Mac store, in an Apple store, there's a lot of phones and laptops in there. Easy subscribes. Let's spam those numbers. Yeah. Our, our fra- light fraud master Jackson Saffron. <laughs> right, I'm like, is this 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 this, this break into legal? an Apple store? According, I to didn't Jackson. say break in. I said if you're shopping, if you happen to be there, back into the Apple computer. <laughs> That's all um, I'm 
Also, we've got a schedule change uh, just as a heads up. We were not dropping an episode on Christmas. We do have a holiday mailbag uh, on Saturday. Uh, thank you to people who've sent questions in. We'll have a tweet up asking for them. You can reply to the tweet or send an email to Jenkins and Jones spelled out at gmail.com. Uh, and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll get to as many of those questions as we can. They could be funny, serious, holiday related, not holiday related. If you've heard the mailbag episodes, you know what kind of stuff we're looking for. And lastly, We've been nominated for an award. And this time we found out about it ahead of time. Because when we previously won awards, we found out like two years after the fact. But we know about it ahead of time. We've been nominated for best comedy sports podcast, correct? Correct. Yes. yes. All right. And who is it from, Jackson? The sports podcast awards by the sports podcast group. All right. So let's go to the sports podcast. The sports podcast guys. Gotten it. Listen to me. I want to I want to win the award. I've seen the other podcasts on there. I previously did not care about winning the award. I've looked into the po- other podcasts on there and now I want to win the award. Fuck those guys. <laughs> <laughs> Never pass on a chance to say that, you feel Kind me? of a kind of exactly what I mean. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I just went ahead and said it for you. Hey bro, it's one on there and I'm sure he's a great dude, but it's one on there there's a fucking typewriter with a fedora that has a press card on it hanging on the typewriter. We got to beat that guy, man. We got to punch on. that pot in the face. We got to punch that pot <laughs> In the face, right in the door, you know what I mean? So, we'll Pow, have right in the kisser, <laughs> as he would say. Tyler wants to give him the old what for. Um, oh, why, yeah. guy. the link to vote will be on the Jengis and Jones Twitter, so go check it out. Maybe it'll be in the YouTube as well. I don't know, but go vote for us. We, we'd like to, I'd like to win the award. I don't actually don't think John and Tyler care, but I would like to win the award. So. Go vote, man. 3,000 of y'all motherfuckers signed up to debate. Mongooses versus grizzly bears and shit. Y'all can y'all can just go ahead and click yeah. on that motherfucker too, dog. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right. Um, let's talk about the sports topic that's been sweeping a content-starved nation this week. <laughs> Are black people or white people better at playing football? Is basically what the question boils down to. But uh Richard Mendenhall posted a tweet in which he said that he's tired of listening to average white people talk about football. And that we should line up uh, the best white dudes in the world against the best black dudes in the world for a football game. I think the a thing people are missing out on is, is the, is the trophy of this game the right to be a talking head on ESPN? That's what the, that's, <laughs> that's what we're deciding. <laughs> that's what that's things. I just want to know where that shit even came from, bro. Like, like I want to know what was the tipping point for Richard Mendenhall to say, that's it. I've, I, I've seen enough. We need a race war. Like, like, well, how did he get there? <laughs> Who was the person? You know what I'm saying? It was a particular guy. Who was that guy? I would bet money it was Dan Orlovsky. Dan Orlovsky knows his shit, though, man. He does know his shit, but I feel like a Richard Mendenhall looks at Dan Orlovsky and goes, this is an average white guy. That's what I'm (laughs) trying to think of, like, who he's describing in his head as an average white guy. And as much as Dan Orlovsky knows his shit, and there's a great uh, GQ piece about him that just recently came out, uh, he he was also not the most successful NFL player. Yeah. So there's a lot of NFL guys who could see him on TV and go, this fucking guy <laughs> you know, gets this job. I should have this job. I, Richard Mendenhall, should have this job. <laughs> I, know. I know where the out of bounds is at the back of the end zone. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But uh, I don't know. It was, it's been an enjoyable week of, uh, of it. It felt a little bit like a throwback Twitter moment. People were, you know, having fun and, and enjoying this. And I don't know. I, I'm not real confident. I might ask if I could be, you know, a water boy on the other side of the field. I don't know. You know, I got to find a way out of I got to find a way off the sideline. I'm on, guys. I, I don't I don't like the <laughs> got to shed that whiteness. That's what. <laughs> No, I don't like I don't like our chances. You know what I yeah, mean? Team, I, I mean, I mean, I mean, let's be real. Team the blacks is, is wiping <laughs> <laughs> team whites up. But and I'm not sleeping on team whites, right? They they will put out a really solid team, especially, you know, with the with the <laughs> O-line. You know, they'd have, you know, some decent quarterbacks. Shit, they even got some decent wideouts, you know what I'm saying? Like like fucking Cooper Cup and Darren and shit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's bro, that that secondary, who the fuck? Jason Seahorn was the last white DB to start in the NFL in 2002. Like, come on, man. 
They said uh, I, I like I liked uh, uh, what Will Compton did when he drew his up was he had uh, he had Chris he had Christian McCaffrey playing both ways. Play both. He's like he's like well we got the best running back in the league. He's just gonna have to play safety uh, right. too. Yeah. <laughs> Fast white guys, uh, you know, to the front of the line. <laughs> like, get, your, get your ass back there. Your week's assignment is cheetah. Like yeah. come on, man. Oh, bro. <laughs> And 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 cornerback, you just cannot stick cornerbacks out there. Like you know the whole adage about how you know cornerbacks cover the fastest guy on the field and they do it backwards. Like it's perhaps the most difficult position to play, you know, in football. So yeah, yeah. I mean that that's where a team white would get spanked. We do well and on special teams, though. <laughs> the question, the question was, <laughs> yeah, you know, lunch pail guys, right there, you know, stop the <laughs> shit out of a punt return. Uh, but the <laughs> the question was, what do we do with the biracials? That was a valid question brought up, and I think there should be a draft, right? And I think, of course, black people get first pick, you know, reparations. Black people need to get like the first seventeen <laughs> picks on some reparation shit for real. You know what I'm saying? And, You're prepared and think, to call it even over the first pick. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's why I was gonna say you might have to up that to like seventeen or eighteen. Okay. The first seventeen or eighteen picks go go, go to team black. You know what I'm saying? So, Will yeah. did Will say if you use nigga or not? He didn't say nigga, but if you use nigga or not, if you are comfortable uh, yeah. saying that or not, I think that's a good idea. Are you comfortable saying the word as he called it? I mean, hey, if you if you feel if you're not a nigga guy, you you can you can be on the other side. You know what I mean? If you're not a nigga, because on this side, you know what I mean. Come on, G. If you're if you're saying uh, Bubba's, you if you're saying Bubba's exclusively, you're Brother, over here with me. Exclusively, you can say Bubba's, but exclusively, you know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. You're anti N word. You feel me? I don't know, man. So yeah. does Max Crosby go to Team Black then? If that's the stipulation, <laughs> we'll take him over here. <laughs> Hell of a fast rusher, man. <laughs> we'll take him over here, Kyle. <laughs> Getting real thin. It's getting real thin over here. The other question was who who gets this, who gets the Samoan dudes? You know what I mean? Like that's a le- that's a legitimate question. I've seen that. The Samoan dudes go, go where the Samoans want to go. Seen- okay? <laughs> I don't know if we choose anything when it comes to Samoan dudes. We let them make that decision themselves. They be out here saying nigga, and niggas don't be saying nothing. <laughs> so we give it a buck. That's a they fact. make that decision, brother. They make that decision, my brother. You feel me? They make the decision, and uh, no one has ever told. Uh, yeah, no one's telling the Samoan dudes where they're going. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like yeah, they're gonna tell you where they want to go, and and you're just gonna be. Okay we ain't gonna pretend, bro. We ain't gonna pretend. <clears throat> okay. Well, what do we set the spread at? Thirteen and a half. Shit, I think it'd be uglier than that. What'd you say, 27? Yeah, no, no, I'd I'd say 19 and a half. I'd say like 20 is probably the the mark. Free touchdown game, skunk, skunk, yeah, yeah. At DraftKings Sportsbook, can we get an official line, please? (laughs) This segment, Race Wars, brought to you by DraftKings. (laughs) (laughs) This segment, Gridiron Race Wars, brought to you by DraftKings. You might have just really did something right there. Gridiron Race Wars. (laughs) I mean, that's basically what gambling on boxing was for the first oh, yeah. years of the sport. Oh, yeah, though, yeah. Right? I mean, that's still kind of boxing. You feel me? Like, there's always yeah, a great white it, hope out there. Yeah. It's a reason fucking Mayweather always, you know, try to time his fights around Cinco de Mayo when he was fighting Mexicans and shit, right? Like, race war is a big business, man. We discussed this before. We are very much, yeah. a, we are very much a a pro race war for the economic stimulus <laughs> of, of sports leagues over here. That's what we were tapped in for, motherfucking. You know, Caitlyn versus Angel Reese. We're like, let's keep it a buck. You know, yeah, shit, yeah. You're right. Anyway, all right. <laughs> we're just gonna walk away from the race war now. Next time, get a segue yeah. out of that. I'm, I'm interested. What you got? What you got, man? Put you on the spot here. I'm che- I'm, uh, I'm I'm chewing on it a little bit here. Well, congratulations <laughs> to as Tyler put it. Congratulations to Team the Blacks on your <laughs> race war inaugural race war championship. Blacks um, rule. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! All right, um, let's talk about. <laughs> Niggas is children, dog. Oh man, we are children, bro. I think I actually have to. I actually don't like that segue, so I'm gonna I'm gonna reorganize this a little bit here. Um, Let's talk about how crazy football coaches are. Did you guys see? He gave this quote right before we hopped on, so it's a late ad. But uh, 
Did you see what John Harbaugh, the coach of the Ravens, uh, response was when he was asked at a press conference what his Christmas wish would be? No. They're playing the Niners on Christmas Eve, or on Christ- on the evening of Christmas, on Christmas night, and uh, the Niners looking to take the you know a, a, a chokehold on the one seed in the NFC. Ravens in the mix for the one seed in the AFC. So huge game. He said that his Christmas wish would be world peace and a win, but not in that order. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's honesty. I got to respect it. He let you know what time it was with him. Yeah. You feel me? Yeah, I respect it too. I do believe that he's being honest, and that is why um, football coaches – I would say this. There's exactly the right number of them. You know what I mean? There don't need to be more people who think that way. <laughs> we, we, <laughs> we have the exact right number. Um, all right, we had some great basketball games last night. Uh, return of John Morant. We also had a real throwback night in the Bay. The Warriors winning against the Celtics in overtime. Yet another uh, the Celtics are too good to beat. Reverse jinx uh, tweet by me working immediately, which I appreciated. Um, but Steph was, it was a, it was a turn back the clock night from Steph. It felt, you know, Chase Center felt like, it felt like the Oracle arena. Like it just, it was a special night. It was a great Tuesday night of basketball to get to watch. Um, how much did you guys enjoy? It feels like we have to savor these nights when you get a night like that from the Warriors, right? And, and, and those big moments from Steph, how much do you guys enjoy kind of the, maybe getting the last toothpaste out of the tube here with these guys? <laughs> Yeah, it's it's you know exactly what you mentioned, like getting the last bit of toothpaste out. Like you know, we know that shit. You know, the Warriors' run as a competitor might be over. Steph is still a god, though, and you know that's like the tragic story. There is that you still got a guy who's one of the five or so guys in the league who's good enough to lead you to a championship with the right people, with the right you know roster around him, and y'all are failing him in that regard. Um, or maybe it's coaching or whatever, but you know they got some shit to figure out. Ain't my motherfucking problem. But the point being. <laughs> The point being, it's just one of those nights that makes you appreciative for the era, right? Like, like the era of the big three of the of the Bron, Steph, and KD. You know, when you see Steph do some some vintage Steph shit like that, you know. So, I mean, they haven't been good. So, like, even when Steph was playing good basketball, he's playing good basketball. They haven't had a chance to win. You feel me? But I mean, yeah, I, I think it's unfortunate that the players around him, you know, aren't going to allow him to do that. But I mean, I'm, I'm at the point now where like. I mean, I know at first we were always arguing about Steph is this, Steph is that, because we were tripping off. I'm well past that, bro. I've been to the point where just I'm just enjoying Steph. You feel me? And uh, it's it's dope to see him play a game that matters and him do Steph shit again. You feel me? I don't know how many ch- chances we'll get of that because the teams have been good. I don't know what they're going to do. We don't know what they're going to do. They're in a pretty bad spot. The worst spot we've probably seen the Warriors be in, shit, what, seven, eight years? So get, getting a game like that, yeah, it def- definitely feels like we have to, you know, enjoy these moments. Um, we had a, a, a little lively chat in the, uh, in the group chat about, uh, Tyler's tweet in which he pointed out <clears throat> his feeling, which I've, I've shared, uh, for a while, I'd say since the 2022 championship that, um, Steph has kind of solidified himself as the number two of this era after Braun, but ahead of KD. And I'm, I'm <clears throat> curious for the, for, you know, the, the, the counter argument to that from John. Um, but you know, what do you, what, what do you, what's your argument for KD in the two spot over, over Steph? I, I told you, like, we, we, t- you know what I, my point is. We talked about it in the group chat. You feel me? And I don't, I'm not saying you're wrong. I think it's really close. I, what I thought was interesting is four out of the five years, uh, KD has had better seasons than Steph has, um, uh, since he's left. But you, and when, when he left, we were saying that KD was by far a better player. You know, I mean, the year after he left, I think two years after he left, he was playing against the Bucks, and the best player in the world said that KD was the best player in the world in the playoffs after a playoff game. You know what I mean? And now, you know, he won the chip, and you know, we we, we won the chip, and in that in, the, in that singular season where he was better than KD, um, and now he's a much better player than KD. Like you said, it was it's not even close anymore, and that's what was interesting to me. Where I don't truly care as much. You feel me? Uh, I, I, I mean. I, 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 I love watching them both play. You feel me? I love them both as basketball players. But after the chip, you said that he was – all of us said that KD, agreed that KD was seventh and that Steph, him winning that chip, got you know, he squeezed into like in like nine or ten in the top ten of all time. And, you know, uh, in the last couple of years, it seems like you think he's eclipsed them in a way that's it's not even close anymore. And that was interesting to me because – 
you know, the, the numbers don't speak to it. Um, I will say what what I what I do think more so than anything is that in the playoffs, um, which Steph has been in more playoffs since, you know, um, he has looked he was the second best player with the Suns um, in that playoff series. And uh, also when, when he played against the, the uh, Celtics, he didn't look, you know, like KD, you know, what I mean, and we were so we, we questioned that. And so I think the perception of who KD is has changed more because of those playoff series. And I think Steph, when he's made the playoffs, has been the most dominant player. And he had like the 50 ball to win the game seven, even though that was the first series of uh, uh first series of the other playoffs. And he's had the chip, you know. So there's certain things about the perception of Steph has stayed the same. And I think the perception of KD has changed in that time period, even though the numbers don't really speak to it. But I think perception matters when players are this close. And and how you know and and the quality of play you know. Yeah, I mean the these three have been like you know the I don't think that those three are the best player in the world. You know, we're not in that era anymore, but they're still extremely good, right? You know, I, I like, think I also think they're still kind of the faces of the league. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, sure I, I would say you know yeah. as as great as Giannis is, as great as Jokic is. We were we were joking about it in terms of whose name moves units on content shit. Like it it's still Braun, Steph, and KD's league, in my opinion. You can look at the shoe units. Who's selling what? You know what I'm saying? I doubt that, you know, I mean, Joker's shoes are even selling as much as KD's. Yeah. Definitely not Bronze and Steph's. So But yeah, you and, and you know, I think that, you know, we're at the point where we've just kind of gotta look at, you know, accomplishments and and how these guys carry their teams respectively, right? And, you know, you've got you know, that, that 2022 championship for sure moved the needle for Steph. I mean, we can just go back to last postseason. That game seven versus, versus the Kings, that, that's one of his best playoff performances ever of all time. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right. right? So, so you know, Steph is still still killing shit. And KD is still really, really fucking good. I, I don't think it's a slight at all to say you're just the third best player of your era behind Braun and Steph, right? Like, that's fucking incredible company to be on the same tier with, but just in third place with, right? So, yeah, I, I mean, I, I think that, that like I said, the needle move for Steph in, in 2022, and, like, I, I just feel like Steph has surpassed KD since. I, I, in 2022, I okay, okay, you say it needle moved enough to where it was close, and now in the last yeah. two years, you think he surpassed him. Okay, okay. Yeah. But I also think there's a difference between, like, who you think is the best versus how you feel players have to be assessed and ranked, in my opinion. Because I like, I'll take KD, but like personally, I mean, in terms of what I like, what I think, you know, I mean, he's seven foot tall. Like, he has gifts that Steph Curry has no ability to get. In terms of evaluating their careers, I think that to me is where it's like, I don't really think there's much of an argument at this point. You know, like, I, I, I wouldn't disagree with John saying he thinks KD is the greatest scorer in the history of the game. Mm-hmm. I just think if you have one guy who's been in a spot and been successful in that spot before and after KD was that like, I think that's the stuff as well as we talked about the avalanche of statistics around the three ball that Steph is putting up, right? Like he's still, he's already 600, whatever past everyone in career three pointers made his longest three point streak is more than two times as far as the next closest player. So there's stuff like that, that I think just piles up over the years, even in a way that the performances in the playoffs and stuff, it's almost separate from that. I think the thing is like in career, that's the argument for Jordan. Where like, I think Jordan had a better career than LeBron, even though LeBron's a better basketball player. You feel me? Mm-hmm. And so like with K- with Steph, I think Steph has a better career than KD. Even if I'm picking a player, I pick KD on my team. You know what I mean? So like I think that so I'm I'm staying consistent in how I think. But what was interesting for me was the things y'all were talking about were inconsistent with the arguments you make for LeBron and Jordan. And I and I'm not and I'm not saying that's wrong. You know what I mean? Like, like I said, they're they're so close. You can decide how you feel or what makes you feel that way. You know, and, and it doesn't have to be consistent with anything else. But my way of looking is I'm looking like when you look at the numbers, when we think about KD, the numbers haven't shown it. You feel me? Um, we talk about him. You know. Uh, Booker being the best player in that series in, in the playoffs with the Suns, KD still averaged 29, uh, 50% from the field. Like, it's not like he's gotten any worse. You know, like, he, I think in the playoffs, when we talk about he's not been the same playoff player, he averaged 26 against the, the, the Celtics, which he struggled. But other other three series, he averaged 32 and 29. And he had 34 and 29. And he averaged 32 the last year with the, with the, with the, uh, with the uh, Warriors. 
And for me, it's like this. Like, since he's left, like, his, it's not been KD. It's been the shit that's around him has been a fucking mess. You know what I mean? He, I mean, no, I don't think, I don't think Steph goes in a KD situation and makes it any better. You know what I mean? I think the way Booker was playing last year, he was better than Steph was. And even though Steph had that 50 ball in the playoffs, Booker was maybe the best player in the playoffs during that while, while they were still playing. You feel me? So I think it's circumstantial why our perception has changed, but perception matters. And, and I think that's where it's at. Because when we look at the numbers, when we look at what Katie's done, Katie's been just as good or even better in the playoffs. And when the when the inputs were the same at the Warriors, the output was very different from Katie and Steph. Katie was by far the better player. You feel me? During, at those when when the when everything was the same. You know what I mean? Uh, but also, like you talked about, you said those those, those wins have those numbers have not been translated into wins. And you know, there's certain things that Steph can do as far as facilitating. But also, like we talked about the, the, when he was playing the Celtics, he had Steve Nash as a coach. Like nigga, we we clown Steve Nash, and also the same year, one of the points was that he had Kyrie as a teammate. Niggas was clowning Kyrie in the same year that uh, uh, Wiggins won the fi- fi- was potentially was competing for Finals MVP until Steph went fucking nuclear. You know what I mean? So saying that like you know he had Kyrie and then this nigga brought Wiggins to the finals, like that's talking out of both ends. You know what I'm saying? Because we're saying Kyrie is not the same Kyrie, or people are questioning his whole legacy after how he performed in the playoffs. And they're talking about how Wiggins really stepped up and was an all-star caliber player. And we're just saying it's just Wiggins. Like Wiggins was an all-star and the average 25 wasn't almost the wasn't in buying for the finals MVP the first three games of that final series. So that's where I'm at with it. You know, what I mean, I just think it's interesting how and why perception changes and how it's changed so much. And I don't know if anybody's wrong. This is all subjective, but that's where I'm coming from with it. Because when you break it down. I understand why KD has been KD and hasn't won. And I understand why Steph has won. And I don't think it had anything to do with KD being worse than Steph. Right. You know what I mean? Rather being circumstantial, whether, you know, I think it's more circumstantial. So, but all that matters. You know what I mean? Yeah, right. And, and I, I think that's the thing when you're evaluating careers. Like, I, we, the three, I know the three of us have talked about that, but like seeing people go from the high school level, the college to the pros, you realize how much of that shit is chance. Like, right. what if, like, what if KD gets drafted by <clears throat> a team that um, is in a big market like the Warriors that has stable ownership and, and a GM? <clears throat> Um, and it is in and a good ass coach, you know what I'm saying? Right. For I mean, 10 years, we, we, straight, we talked about like my friend, uh, uh, Mercedes Lewis, been in the NFL, he's record setting for how long he's been in the NFL's tight end. He was drafted by the Jaguars. What if he'd been drafted by the Patriots in 2006? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, you don't have any control over shit like that, it just happens. But in evaluating careers, it does have to be, um, it does have to be, you know, uh, factored in, which is just. Not well, I think fair, but also the, true. <laughs> but for, for for me, when we've talked about the best player, if we were talking careers, I would have gave Jordan that. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think the careers are closer than than Steph and KD. You're though. saying you Bron, and, I mean? Bron and Jordan. Bron, yeah. Bron and Jordan. I would have said Jordan had a better career. You know what I mean? That six for six chips and the numbers he put up, you know, like it's just hard to compete with that career. But as far as a player, which I think is, which I, which is, I think is more subjective, I've generally been talking about top 10 from the player standpoint where I think LeBron James is a better basketball player. As for me, when I look at KD, I think KD is a better basketball player, but I think Steph's career is much better than KD's. And so like, that's what was interesting for me when y'all are saying he surpassed them. Yeah. Steph changed basketball. Of course, he's more important to the NBA than KD is. You can't, repeat what katie's done you can't be repeat what steph's done but steph's done it in a way that's changed or made people feel like they he's could tricked it. short he's people tricked into thinking people. yeah that yeah he's, he's, he's right. a small guy he only you know like, <laughs> right, you're right, not right, gonna right. do what steph's done steph's a fucking animal yeah. and also he's like mentally he's not normal bro he's a sociopath on the court you feel right. me he's a very different person in person but on the court he's a sociopath it's hard to replicate that you feel what i'm saying yeah but uh but yeah i just feel like that's it's like i said it's circumstantial the career career wise it's better but I don't. I thought we've always, always talking about them as a player, not as a career. I, I mean, there's I, players that may have I, had better careers than Bron that are that aren't even put in the chat. You know, like the the goat conversation. You feel me? 
I mean, I've been on the side that Steph had a better career than KD since like 2015, right? It's not oh, it's, it's not like yeah. Steph's career surpassed yeah. KD's career that and then that made me say, "Okay, Steph's the better player." It's just, you know, since they've parted ways, you know, th- their bodies of work, you know, c- compared to each other, just the the skill sets, you know, the actual basketball that I'm seeing, I just think Steph surpassed them, bro. Yeah, and that's and that's uh, and that's cool. That's cool. But, you know, I like I said, I, I think the career is much better and I I since 2015, yeah, he had a, you know, makes a thousand percent. I mean, 2016 Oh, when it was that's when he was like what unanimous MVP, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, bro. Like, come on, bro. You feel me? Like, I, I don't think career wise, as far as an accolades, you know, that's really ever been a competition. We're talking about player, and so like that's subjective. You think he's a better player? Cool. You know, I just I don't know if I'm gonna pick him first in a top ten draft, I mean, top, the draft of the top ten, if it comes to like having somebody on my squad. And I need a fucking bucket. But as I said in the, in, in the when we were talking, basketball is just not just about buckets. You know what I mean? Um, even though he's uh, the the best bucket getter I've ever seen. Uh, John, so, yeah. John's a, a, a hoop purist. He also like really like loves Kyrie Irving, right? Like John I mean, I is like, I, 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 I want these guys yeah. who but can like no, But no, do... he just loves Kyrie's politics, so it's the hoop. Right, right. That's a personal that. thing for John, right? <laughs> no, no, but like for real though, like John, you love guys who like can do like get anywhere they want to go and rise up and get any type. That's like a genuine, pre- like that's just like a type of player that you like. I mean, the things I like about Kyrie are not the shit that everybody talks about with Kyrie. You know what I mean? Like, when everybody's talking about the handles and all that shit, for me, it's like how he uses his body at 6'2", and he bumps people in the middle of their shuffle and gets them up under the fucking rim, and that's how he gets the shots off. Like, he's so, like, it's a, there's a certain way, and I, I don't know if you can teach somebody to do the type of things that he does. It's not just... He tricks you with the razzle dazzle, like the like it's it's a magician, it's, it's a magic trick. Like I'm gonna do all these ball handling things, but what I'm really special at is I'm gonna use my body to to move you, you know, and use your size against you to get you under the rim and get this fucking bucket off with either hand. You know what I mean? So that's what I, I love that little shit like that. You know what I mean? That's why I love these videos where it's slowed down, where you can see the true beauty, the art of it. You know, and it's not just. This keep crossing the guy off his foot. No, look at what he did with his feet, his feet on his side. You know what I'm saying? Look at what he did with his body. And I think, like, I mean, as a purist, Steph's game is fucking gorgeous. And I was talking about how, like, I think, I don't know if this was on camera or off camera. We were talking about Steph, you know, you know, you, you prefer, we prefer more players. He's not exciting inside the three-point line. But it's beautiful inside the three-point line, what Steph does. You know what I'm saying? With his touch around the rim. With his ability to use his body, with his timing, you know what I mean? Like, so there's real beauty there. I think Steph's, you know, game is equally as gorgeous as KD's. I don't, I honestly don't know who's the best player. If I had to, like, somebody had, you know, know, like, this is a better player. I just feel like it's just interesting how, what's changed, even though certain things speak, speak, you know, the opposite, you know what I'm saying? Or. Or certain things like the numbers don't say what we feel or think. Because from 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 what y'all said, I understand why y'all feel and thinking. And I said in the pod and in the text, I was like, I feel it. I'm just wondering where it comes from. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr. And I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back. And joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. 
Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Some uh, some history is subjective, some history is objective. And yeah. one objective piece of information is that John Morant with 34 points According to TNT, scored the most points in a return game after missing 25-plus straight games in the history of the league. Uh, God bless whatever producer had to scrape that shit out of the trash can and make a graphic out of it. But salute to Ja. It was a great first game back. The game winner was super fun. And uh, I don't personally go in for all of the I kept receipts, et cetera, et cetera. Like, no one said Ja was bad at basketball. But I'm glad that he's back, and hopefully, as Tyler said, he's gotten over his NBA young boy addiction <laughs> and, can, <laughs> and can return to uh, staying on the court. You know, fingers crossed. Yeah, I mean, we we all love John this pod, right? Like, we all know that you, you know. Going back to the discussion that we had with Hanif about how how you know you usually have to walk that line of empathy. You know, there has to be something relatable about you know. When, when you want to get behind guys who are going through stuff and Jao doesn't get that support because it's you cannot relate to having an addiction to flashing guns on Instagram <laughs> like that is just a very unique thing that is very easy to not do right so that's why you know the the the, the shit with Jao was just like so frustrating because bro it's so easy to not flash guns on Instagram but I'm glad he's back man and I think that the kid is going to be just fine and he for sure he's still a hooper but I'm gonna say some shit that's probably gonna sound like some nerd shit and y'all might not even rock with it I'm interested in seeing the list of those players and their returns after 25 plus games because I think what a lot of people were reading when they read that was like 25 games suspended and not 25 games missed and right. I'm interested I'm interested in actually seeing the list so we I think that taking a dive on that would give you like a good snapshot mm, mm on you know how difficult it is to get back in the rhythm right because we'd see players who came back from injuries yeah and and and, and shit like that and we'd see their scoring outputs in their first game so I, I think that would actually be an interesting stat if we can get the list i think suspended would be easier to get back in rhythm than injury because yeah, you sure. had to relearn how to use your body in particular ways and a lot of times when you have these injuries depending on what age you are your body is different you got to get used to a different body you know what i mean um but yeah i mean i think the reason why we were so what we were tripping was because he's so good at basketball. It was because we believed he was so good at basketball. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, so like the receipts thing is just odd because we believed like, dude, he's the future of the NBA. And he has a, 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 a addiction to showing guns on camera. You know what I mean? It's, it was just such an odd thing for somebody as good as him. So, but yeah, I mean, dude, I, what was interesting to me about that was I feel like one game back game winner dropped what 32, 34. Um, they scored what 27 in the second half, like took over. They came back from 20 down, and uh, I mean, just one great performance. And to me, I'm feeling like, yo, he's already back. Like, whatever the fuck he was, what he was suspended for, we're not tripping off that anymore, you know what I mean? Like, so it, that was interesting to me how so quickly the slate was wiped clean. And I don't think it shouldn't be. I mean, he, he did the 25 games, and you know, he's and now he's. Doing Josh shit again on the court. You know what I mean? Um, okay, before we uh, get out of here, uh, Tyler, we've got a hippity hop. Oh, yeah. Ooh. Oh, yeah. This weekend, <laughs> hippity hop. <laughs> All right. So, you know, one of the things that, that we discussed when we 
you know, first started this segment is, you know, there's going to be times where we look back on, you know, certain things on certain anniversaries. And there's also going to be times when we discuss current events shit. And this is going to be one of those times where we discuss some current events shit. Um, on this week in Hippity Hop, on Monday, December 18th, 2023, rap legend Scarface performed on NPR's Tiny Desk. A 31-minute set that perfectly captured the essence of Scarface the rapper, Scarface the producer and instrumentalist, and Brad Jordan the person. We'll come back to the actual Tiny Desk performance in a second, but for now, let's do a bit of a deep dive into the history and impact and influence on the legend known as Scarface, a.k.a. Face Mob, a.k.a. Face, a.k.a. Brad Jordan. Born and raised in Houston, Scarface first got his start on the local rap scene under the moniker of DJ Action, serving as the DJ for Little Troy's independent label Shortstop Records. During this time, he caught the attention of Jay Prince, who had just started his own fledgling rap label, much like Little Troy, by the name of Rap-A-Lot Records. Jay Prince had recently put together a rap group that called themselves the Ghetto Boys. After the Ghetto Boys dropped their debut album, there was a falling out that caused two of the original members to split ways with the group. Jay Prince was on the prowl looking to replace these members, and DJ Action, the man later to be known as Scarface, had released a single titled Scarface that had caught Jay Prince's attention. So DJ Action ended up rebranding himself as Scarface and joining Rap-A-Lot Records and Ghetto Boys, along with new member Willie D as well. The group's first album together was titled Grip It on that other level, but their true breakout moment came on their next album, 1991's We Can't Be Stopped. The lead-off single from this album is one of the most iconic songs in rap history. My mind is playing tricks on me with three of the four verses on the song penned by a 21 year old Scarface. Mind playing mm -hmm. tricks on me is an ode to paranoia, but a very unique type of paranoia, a paranoia that isn't necessarily rooted in fear, but is instead a byproduct of how the trauma and the weight of doing wrong can weigh so heavily on one's subconscious that it can distort that person's perception of reality. It's an ode to paranoia at its core, but on a larger scale, it's an examination of mental health, a theme that will become a staple in Scarface's music. Now, we had definitely seen rap records before that had dealt with these issues of mental health and anxiety and stress. Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Fives, The Message comes to mind as the first groundbreaking record on this subject. You know, we've all heard the song. It contains the classic chorus. Don't push me because I'm close to the edge. I'm trying not to lose my head. Now, my mind is playing tricks on me, added a new dimension to this conversation. Whereas the message is a song rooted in the anxiety and stress that comes when you realize you're close to reaching your breaking point. Mind playing tricks offers the perspective that the scariest thing about actually reaching your breaking point is you don't realize it's already happened until it's too late. It's a harrowing tale that would be somber as shit if it wasn't so damn catchy. Thanks to that unforgettable guitar riff that was sampled from Isaac Hayes, Hung Up On My Baby. My Playing Tricks On Me was a hit, and the Ghetto Boys and their frontman Scarface had arrived. So Scarface went on to go solo that same year. He has an expansive and impressive catalog of 12 solo albums. But for the sake of brevity, we'll touch on the two albums widely considered to be his magnum opuses, 1994's The Diary and 2002's The Fix. Brief synopsis on The Diary. Released in 1994 with one of his most successful singles, I've Seen a Man Die, this was Scarface's third solo album. Frequent collaborator N.O. Joe was on the boards for a bulk of the production of this album, along with a newcomer by the name of Mike Dean. The second single would be Hand of the Dead Body, a scathing commentary on American government and critics of rap music featuring Ice Cube and another newcomer on the chorus by the name of Devin the Dude. In 1994, which was one of the greatest years in rap history where we saw debuts from Biggie, Nas, Outkast, and Bone Thugs, the diary held its own as one of the best releases of that stellar year. So before we fast forward to 2002 to his other magnum opus, The Fix, let's examine the trajectory of Scarface's career during those years. So after The Diary, he dropped Untouchable in 1997, featuring his highest charting single, Smile, which featured the recently departed Tupac Shakur. The album contains classic Scarface tracks such as Mary Jane and Ode to Marijuana that will go on to be famously sampled by Ashanti's Baby, Baby, Baby. He would drop My Homies in 1998, a double disc focused on highlighting, well, his homies, and in 2000, he would release Last of a Dying Breed, which is one of my personal favorites. So this brings us to 2002's The Fix. The Fix, in my opinion, is the best album Scarface ever gave us. And one of, if not the best rap album of that decade. Coming in at a lean 13 tracks in 45 minutes, there is no filler on this album. It's nothing short of perfect. The production is carried here by Mike Dean, T-Mix of Suave House, who we mentioned on the previous episode when we discussed his production on Carter 2. Unsung legend right there. Shouts to T-Mix. 
the Neptunes, and another up-and-comer who was making his name known off the production he had done with Rockefeller by the name of Kanye West. So The Fix is the consummate Scarface album, in my opinion, where he is perfectly revisiting the staples of his music, which are stellar storytelling, addressing mental health, and contemplating his religious faith. His religious faith. I have jokingly always said that The Fix is the only Christian rap album that has ever banged, and I'm <laughs> only half-joking when I say that. Go listen to Someday off that track featuring Faith Evans, produced by Neptunes, or Heaven, produced by T-Mix and Kanye West. Sunday service has never, ever sounded so good. But now to, on to the tiny desk. It opens with Scarface extending a warm welcome to us. He mentions how Backyard Band, an iconic DC go-go band, and its frontman Big G are in the building to check them out. Big G is better known as Slim Charles from The Wire to those who aren't familiar. So on the keyboard beside him is the once newcomer who first cut his teeth with Scarface on the Diary album, who has since established himself as a legend, Mike Dean. They open with My Block, the lead single from The Fix, an ode to, perse to perseverance and finding beauty in the struggle. They then transition to Mary Jane, his weed anthem, and then Smile. There's a pretty heavy moment at the end of the performance of Smile where Scarface emphasizes his line, we say a prayer for my homie Pac. Yes, we always knew that Pac and Scarface were really homies, but there's something about Face saying it in that moment on that tiny desk that hammered home how they were really friends and really homies and how they still should be homies right now while they're in their 50s instead of one of them dying at 25. It's a pretty heavy moment, but the mood is lightened a bit as we transition into one of his more fun songs, Fuck Faces, <laughs> before closing out the same way, before he closes out this Tiny Death performance with the same way he first broke out with My Mind Is Playing Tricks On Me. It's a perfect celebration of one of rap's greatest and most important voices. So, um, you know, when we were talking uh, Doggy Style, and, and, you know, I mentioned like Snoop is my favorite rapper ever. Scarface might be like my second favorite rapper ever. Um, besides like the music just being incredible, he made music that mattered, bro. Like, um, you know, I mentioned before how mental health was a recurring theme in all his music. He was he was one of the first rappers to really grapple with that on a consistent basis. He was someone. And the thing about his music is it was kind of grim. It was kind of dark. It was. It was it wasn't, yeah, you know, I'm going to get through this. It was, bro, I don't know if I'm ever going to, you know, get out this depression that I'm in, that this this funk that I'm in. Like life. I don't know if life will ever really, really be all the way worth living for me. Like it, it was really dark, which is why the why his his album, The Fix, which I think, like I said, I think that's the best album he ever made. It's beautiful because there are some bright moments on there from Scarface. Like there's, um you know, the song Heaven, where he's talking about how you know, finding peace and religion has kind of, you know, granted him a new outlook on life. And it's a beautiful kind of moment where if you were investing in Scarface, you 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 kind of thought he would never really get there to where he's seen the cup half full. Um, you know, and besides the fact that he like I said, he made music that mattered. He made music about mental health. He made music that spoke to people who are going through depression and anxiety and what have you. Just as a rapper, bro, like he just checks all the boxes as what a good rapper should be has one of the most incredible voices in rap history one of the best storytellers in rap history i personally think he is the best solo rapper ever from the south right i like i think he's the legit king of the south and and scar and it just it really felt good seeing that tiny desk because you know scarface is someone who's gone through health problems we almost lost that man to COVID. like you know lots of us were really stressing during that moment and it's good to see a legend like him get his flowers and, and that tiny desk it was it was so perfect because scarface is someone who really knows how to command a room right like because we i mentioned his music usually has substance so the stories that he was giving us you know and into what went into that into, into his thought process behind making it and, and he's an instrumentalist and a producer himself we saw him get on the guitar for mary jane we saw him you know banging out you know the, the keys on mom playing tricks on me and stuff so it was it was just it was just real i think it's like perhaps my favorite tiny desk performance it's just perfect to me I, I when i first saw it i sent it to you immediately because i know how much you love scarface we've shared our love for scarface you know what i'm saying since hellas you feel me so i mean just like southern music in general but yeah scarface is special but I just don't know at that time period if I had heard rap so honest and vulnerable and, you know, coming from the perspective he was and so wise, you know, somebody right. 25 rapping, you know, uh, right. the lyrics he, he, he's rapping. Mind playing tricks on me. He was 21, bro. And he wrote bro, three bro. of those four and, verses. And at 50, he's rapping these verses and he's saying them as in the same way because they're just they're, to, to him as, at 50, they they have the same amount of weight. That's very 
abnormal. You know, he he has yeah. fuck faces where he's like, this didn't age well. You know <laughs> what I mean? But he, but I mean, we had his moments. He was still a, a shorty. He had those shorty moments. But like, he, he I, 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 we talked about this, man. Like, there's a spiritual aspect to his music that feels like I was like, this man, he, he had to grow up in church. You know, he may grew up with his grandmother or something because he had a certain amount of wisdom that, you know, people his age, our age at that time, any you know, don't, don't have. And he put it in his music. One thing I learned was how much of a musician he was. I didn't know that. I didn't know. I saw him playing a guitar and like he's playing that motherfucker like a guitar player, not somebody who's playing a guitar for people. So they think he, so they know he plays guitar. He was feeling the music in a particular way. You know what I mean? And I'm like, he, you know, he, he's talking about the sound in that pocket. I'm like, he's talking like an artist. And I don't know if I saw if I I, I know I didn't know the artist that he was until that. And so I really love that. But like. It, it's like you said, it's really dope to see him get, you know, his his flowers. And Scarface, to me, is one of those few people that I don't know what else you fuck with. But if you fuck with Scarface, I know you got a certain level of taste. You know right. what I mean? Because he might not have been the most popular. But to those that really fucked with rap, he was always great. You know what I mean? Right. So, he, you know, like, but I, I just I, 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 I loved it. I was watching it at. I mean, it's crazy. You were up at like four o'clock your time, Charlie, when I texted you or something. But <laughs> I was up at like 12, 30 or one when I saw it. I was like, I got to watch this whole thing right now. You know what I mean? But I was like, you need to get your ass to bed. I'm like, I'm watching Scarfaces. You know what I mean? Tiny desk. I <laughs> Give me 30 more minutes. <laughs> but yeah. That's man. funny. It was a very captivating time desk. And, you know, going off John's point of like, Scarface was never a monster a dude who was giving us monster singles right like yeah. he wasn't a a dude who lived on the charts um smile was his highest charting single and that shit went high as high as like number 12 i think and he had um, tupac on that motherfucker yeah yeah he yeah, had yeah, tupac yeah. Right, right after he passed and, and that was in 97 and pac got killed fall 96 um but face is one of those dude who he is your favorite rapper's favorite rapper right like mm -hmm. yep. like there's there's so much footage of guys like jay-z and 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 fucking and Nas and jeezy going on record saying like scarface is my favorite rapper he's the one who made me hop out here and do it right and and he he's just someone who just means so much to so many people in a very very unique way that not a lot of rappers mean you know to other people like dmx who was who infamously hated rappers like like he said you know he grew up on disco like he was not a rap fan he said mm -hmm. the only rappers he liked were rakim and scarface right like that that just shows the the the, the reach that scarface had man and, and and he's just a legend like i said i probably my second favorite rapper ever beyond snoop all right that's all the time we got we'll be back on saturday with our holiday mailbag episode get your questions in jenkins and jones at gmail.com and we'll see y'all then Bye. 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 The volume. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff. Are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one -on -one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.